This morning, I'd like you to turn in your Bible to the book of Job. Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23. Oh, yes, uh, Junior Church, you guys are dismissed. I'm sorry. But in Job chapter 23, uh, Job gives a response. And throughout the book of Job, you find there is a... Uh, uh, Job will say something, one of his friends will say something, Job will reply, one of his other friends will say something, Job will reply. Um, and, and, and again, one of the things that we know is as Job begins to reply to his friends, he says, miserable comforters are y'all. Uh, they, they were not uh, giving him any type of comfort. They were, if you will, very assuming and very accusing in, uh, in what, how they, they spoke to Job. Uh, in the previous chapter, chapter 22, uh, Eliphaz really lays into Job and just flat out starts calling him all sorts of, you know, calling him out on all of these sins that he thinks Job has committed. And basically he's telling that Job, he needs to repent and so on and so forth. But Job hasn't done any of those things because we read in the very first part that God called Job perfect and upright and eschewing evil. It says out of him twice. In the, in the book of Job. So we have an affirmation of the previous statement that God is making saying Job is not an individual that is in gross iniquity. He is not in sin. Now there's some things that Job needs to do and Job does need to work on. And, and through this process, Job is being refined. And we're going to make mention of that here because at the end, he does see that he himself does need to work on something. So even a person per- that is declared perfect by God still needs to work on their life, still needs to work on what they're doing and what they're thinking and how they're operating. And Job learns that lesson. His three friends didn't. His three friends, in the end, uh, uh, in, in, in order to, if you will, be received, God said Job had to pray for them. When Job prayed for him, all these things that were going on with him, Job, God would lift those from Job, but, 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 uh, but his friends, they needed prayer because God wasn't going to listen to them. Now, you go through and you read some of the stuff that, that Eliphaz and Bildad and all these guys said. They, the stuff they said was accurate, but it was misapplied. Meaning that God has judgment that comes upon the sinner, but it was misapplied in the situation. Right. And, and, and again here, we, we, we see this going on with Job. And in chapter 23, as he begins to, to go through this and answer here, um, th- th- there's something very specific. Job doesn't address what was just said, if you will, directly. He addresses some things indirectly. You know, uh, that Eliphaz was accusing of uh, mistreatment of widows. And I mean, basically everything, uh, you know, up to, but, you know, didn't quite mention it, kicking the dog, if you will, um, in, in how Eliphaz basically was was treating Job was, was, was not the way that God desired it. But But Job doesn't really respond in such a way that he comes back and starts accusing Eliphaz or tries to do anything. He just maintains, I'm doing what God wants me to do. And in this chapter, and we're going to read through the chapter very quickly, it's only a few verses. 
In verse 1 of Job chapter 23, then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him. I would fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is one, is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. For he hath performed the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore I am troubled at his presence, when I consider I am afraid of him. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me, because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither hath he covered the, the darkness from my face. So we see here, Job makes some very important statements. Some that, that you may have heard before that we have mentioned before. And I want us to look at this chapter, if you will, and, and kind of realize that as he begins to uh, appeal to God, as he, as he begins to, if you will, plead his case and wanting his case to be heard, there's some things that he says about God, about God being elusive from him. And there's a reason why that's the case. But there is something that he makes very clear. This does not affect his faith in God. This does not affect his faith in God. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of times when we're going through difficulties and we're going through troubles and we're going through trials and maybe our integrity is being questioned. Maybe uh, um, what we're doing is being questioned by other people, something of that nature. I, I will tell you this. It is imperative that we continue to maintain that faith in who God is and acknowledging those things during those times so that we do not fall into a pattern of fear. We see here in the end, the only person that Job's really afraid of is God. He fears God, and rightfully so. We should all fear God. The fear, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, is the beginning of wisdom, as Scripture says. The fear of the Lord is, is, is imperative to our Christian walk. We should look at God and we should go, if he is the creator of everything, he can wipe everything out in a minute. Less than a minute. He can make your molecules stop spinning. You can make you turn into a small little thermonuclear device as your atoms split apart. I mean, he, he, he can do all of those things. Now, praise the Lord. He tells us that he won't. Praise the Lord. He continues to show mercy upon, uh, upon his creation. But I will say this. It becomes imperative that as we study 
the book of Job, as you look at the book of Job and read through it, that you see that Job's faith in who God is never falters. And that is an important principle to understand. He may have made some bold statements and some brash statements. He may have tried to justify himself rather than justify what God was doing. He still knew who God was. And if there's one thing that, that, that I really want us to understand is this, and if you will, it could be, it could even be called the title of this message, is we need to recognize who God is during the difficulties. We need to realize what God's doing during the trials of our life, during the tribulation. Now, I'll tell you this, you know, obviously what we see here from the word of God is that this was basically, uh, if you will, Lucifer's doing. Lucifer is upset with God that God points out Job and says Job's doing what is right. You know, that's kind of, if you will, kind of a tongue-in-cheek insult to the devil. Look at my servant. He's perfect and upright. He shoes evil. What's wrong with you, Lucifer? Here's man, a weak creature, a weak creation, giving glory to God, where Lucifer was created to give glory to God, but he fell because he got lifted up with pride. What's wrong with him? But what we see here is that while this debate goes back and forth between the devil and God, and and the devil challenges God and challenges him in such a way, saying that if you remove your hand, he'll curse you. Now, that didn't happen because, you know what? God is God, and God knew exactly what would happen. The devil is not God. He is he cannot predict the future. And he's desperately trying to change the future. But he can't. It's been written. It's been, it's been put in, his, in God's word. It's been preserved. That's the end of the Lucifer. That's the end of the devil. That's the end of Satan the dragon, as we read over there in the book of Revelation. But here's, here, here's, here's the devil trying to prove God wrong. If the devil can prove God wrong, then God is no longer God. But of course, God is always right. God knew exactly what Job would do. God knew that he would make these statements. God knew that though he would still struggle and he would still have trials, He would never lose faith in who God is, and he would never lose sight of how great God's works are in his life. He might struggle, but he'll never lose sight of that. I often wonder, can God say that about me? I've been through some trials. I've been through some some difficulties lately. But I always knew that God would come through in the end, regardless of what happened. Even if I was to pass away, I knew that I'd wake up in heaven. My trust is in him is not going to falter in that. I may have had a few moments of Job going, why? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, try to hide that. There may have been a few times in the hospital where, you know, they sit there and they tell you all these things and you're sitting there going, Lord, I really want this done. 
I don't understand why this keeps going, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. As Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But in this passage, we find key verses that God brings to light about what Job says about the very nature of who God is. About the demonstration of faith that Job shows that really points out how great God really is. Even during the worst parts of our life. God is still good. God is still good. Now here he is, he begins complaining about his condition a little bit. Um, and he specifically complains about the fact that God's withdrawing from him. And as we, as we see here, you know, he talks about it in verse 8 and verse 9. He says, I go forward, he's not there. I go backward, he's not there. Um, he's not on the left hand, he's not on the right. He's looking for God. And God is making himself a bit elusive at this point. Because he does want Job to continue to search for God. And sometimes God will do that. Did you notice that Jesus Christ often would go and hide himself? The first time I read through scripture and, and, and as a young man, uh, you know, as a teenager, and I was reading through and I was endeavoring to, to read through the Bible and I get, I, you know, I'm familiar with the Bible, I'm familiar with what it says, and I go through and I read the Gospels and I see Jesus Christ Lighting off in certain points and running away and hiding somewhere, and then the crowd searching for him and then finding him. It's like, you know, where's Jesus? Like, where's Waldo? But it's where's Jesus? Searching for him. And he did do that again to seek some rest, but also at the same time to really truly judge and gauge the heart of the people about what they were looking for. Were they looking for just another miracle or were they looking for true teaching? Were they looking for just another man or were they looking for the Messiah? And God's doing that same here as he's asking Job to, to kind of, if you will, as he kind of remains elusive during this seven day period of time where he's asking in himself and he's praying to God, what's going on? And then his friends start chiming in and speaking up saying, well, you're the one that's the sinner, Job. You're the one that's the problem. All of these things, and Job's like, you know, I've kept his commandments, as he says here, if you will, in a bit of a response to to Eliphaz. I, you know, I've kept the commandments. I've done the things that have come out of God's mouth. Why would I forsake those things? And and and, and we find that God withdraws Himself just so slightly, so that there would be a desire to search Him out more. And I tell you, that happens a lot when we're going through the trials and the tribulations. My personal life, when I was going through those struggles and going through the problems and being in a hospital bed for a hundred plus days in the last year, there would be a lot of questions, but it would always be, Lord, I'm, I'm desiring to seek your face. I'm desiring to know who you are. I'm desiring to, to know more about what's going on in your works and, and why things are happening and but I don't really need the answer. I just need to know that you're near. And he would constantly answer that. But it was a search. Is God near? Am I near to him? And that becomes one of the primary questions that we, as we go through this, where he begins to, again, complain. But he's complaining because he wants to make an appeal to God, saying, 
Uh, I really would like some answers about why. Now, look, it's not wrong to ask God why. There's nothing wrong with asking God, why am I going through this? It's wrong to demand an answer in such a way that we think we're better than God or that God owes us an answer. God owes you nothing. God doesn't even owe you your life. Those are all gifts. Those are all blessings that we've received from him. And we get to communicate with God. And if God just says, I don't want you to know what's going on right now, we have to trust that. And and, and while Job was still saying, I really want to know, he was still saying, I'm still going to have my faith in God. I'm still going to believe him at his word. And I am still going to do what God is asking me to do. I may have questions, but I am going to stick with God is great. We see this in, 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 and again, if you look at verse 13 of this passage, verse 13, he says, but he is of one mind who can turn him and what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. First thing I want us to know with these two verses here that Job begins to identify is this, is that God is still in control. God is still in control. Have you ever been at that point in time in your life where you feel like everything is out of control? At some point in time, you you, you, you want to scream, Jesus, take the wheel. But but you know that Jesus is already at the wheel and you're the one that's making the mess in the passenger seat. (laughs) You're the one that's in the back seat. There's something I saw the other day. You may have seen it. You know, it's that whole based off of Jesus, take the wheel. It's like, if Jesus has got the wheel, I'm sure at some point in time, he's going to threaten to pull over the vehicle and slap us all with his sandal. (laughs) because we really deserve it because we're making a big mess in the back because we're causing fights because you know oh he looked at me no stop looking at me oh he didn't touch me i'm not touching you screaming back and forth and look you know honestly that's probably as pathetic as our little disagreements look like to god in the grand scheme of things that's what they look like but you know what God, what Job says here about God? God's got one mind in this. God knows what he's doing. God know, Job knows that God, he can't persuade God to do something different. That he's going to do what God does because God's in control. The first thing that we understand about who God is during difficult times is this. God's in control. Keep that in mind. Things start coming apart. Things start happening in your life. Things don't look, don't look anything like the plan that you had. Don't get mad at God. Don't start blaming him. Don't start getting old down in the dumps about it. Just realize this. God is still in control. God is still in control. 
as we continue to go down through all of this and through all of these midst of the complaints, you, you find Job, if you will, maybe for the sake of the, 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 his, his friends there, but I believe it's more for the sake of himself. He's reassuring himself. Because his friends aren't obviously listening. His friends are still thinking he's just some wicked sinner that needs to be punished. And Job has, has made multiple appeals to them saying, no, that's not the case. No, that's not the case. No, that's not the case. I just want to ask God why this is going on. And they're sitting there going, no, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You need to be punished. You need to be punished. Why aren't you to repent of your, your sins now? And so on and so forth and all this stuff. I, I see that, that while it may have benefited the years of, of, of uh, you know, in this case, Eliphaz the Temanite, as he's kind of, if you will, re- re- giving a rebuttal to his response, his friends really weren't listening. And I think it's a reassurance for Job himself. And I'll tell you this, you need to go through and do that. Not only do you need to reassure yourself that, that, that God's in control, but, but, but you need to reassure yourself that God has the answers. Go back over there and take a look at verse 5. Job chapter 35, uh, 23, verse 5. He says this, he says, I would know the words which he would answer me. Isn't that interesting? Job knows how God's going to answer him. Why is that? Because Job has already previously listened to the word of God. Now, again, I want you to, 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 to remind you here, Job is the oldest book of the Bible. This was written down around the time of Abraham. Isaac, Jacob. Why? Because we actually find an Ishmaelite in the mix here. We, we, we go back and we start reading through and we find out who Job's friends are and we find that they're, they're related to that crowd that's over there. This is before Moses writes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is, this is penned by a guy by the name of Elihu who is one of Job's friends. He writes all this down for the purpose and if you will, this is the one of, the, this is the oldest book of the Bible. And and there is no scripture written down at this point. So everything that Job talks about with the word of God is what he has heard from God himself. Back when that communication was still active. Now think about this just for a moment. Job gets an answer from God at the end. And he gets a little bit of a rebuke. He gets a little bit of a rebuke, and, and Job takes that rebuke. And he, as he says, I repent. Job was willing to change. Interestingly enough, we don't see here or hear any repentance from his friends. But what we find here is we find that, that, that Job knows the answer. Job knows how God's going to answer him. Have you ever had that situation happen to you before? There you are, you're in the mix of this big decision, and you know what the answer is. There was a, a, a missionary at a church that we attended one time 
coming through and she was telling us her testimony and she grew up in a Christian home and she, she heard the gospel of Jesus Christ constantly. Her, 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 her parents missionaries and, you know, involved in the church and she grew up and she knew it, but she realized in Bible college that she never trusted Christ as her savior. And she goes forward. Her fiance then at the time is asking, do, do, do you need me to lead you through the plan of salvation? She goes, no, I know it. I just haven't. I just have not received Christ as my Savior. And she does that. Have we ever had the issue where we respond with, I know, I know, because you know the answer? Somebody tries to tell you something and you already know what the answer is. You know, Job already knew what the answer was. He knows how God would answer because he had that familiarity with him. So not only does God, does Job acknowledge God as being in control, he also acknowledges God as having the answer. And I'll tell you this, during your most difficult times, when you're going through whatever it is, always know this, God has that answer. He's not obligated to give it to you, though. But you will find out one day. You'll find out one day. It may be when you pass on into glory. There's a lot of stuff that I have absolutely no idea why God did in my life. And I sit down and I go, "Eh, okay. I think we all could say that at some point in time. And you know what? I... I could ask God for an answer, but I'm pretty sure it's one of those answers that he gave to the disciples. I have many things to tell you, but not now. <laughs> not now. And I'm sure I'm going to get up to heaven, and then when I get all knowledge that he gives, as he says he will, that I'm going to sit down and go, oh, man, I was a bonehead and didn't even see that. <laughs> Praise God he did. Praise God, he's got the answer. So in all of this, the two things that we've learned about what God does and who God is, is that God is always going to be in control and God is always going to have that answer. He's always going to have that answer. The next thing that we see here is, uh, is, is again, one of the amazing things that when we're going through the difficult times, and this is something that I must must, must impress upon every Christian that is here. It's God who strengthens you to get through that. It's not you. Look at what he says here in verse 5. Or excuse me, uh, in verse 6. He says, will I plead against, will he plead against me with his great power? Basically, is he going to dissect them like the prosecutor does in a trial and destroy them and tear them down? Is he going to bring up every single thing that Job has ever done wrong and flaunt it before Job's eyes, flaunt it before the courts and flaunt it before everyone? And you go through and you see some of those courts. And again, I, I, I have a habit of liking to watch court. And some of the stuff is there is ridiculous, and some of it is absolutely hilarious. 
But I will tell you, when you see a prosecutor going after somebody and they're wanting to destroy or even a defense attorney trying to destroy a witness and they're going back through and trying to discount them and just tear them down, bringing up every little thing that could possibly get that person to look lower in the eyes of the jury or the judge. Does God do that? The answer Job says is no. No. The devil may do that. And the devil does do it because he's called the accuser of the brethren. But what what does God do? No, but he would put strength in me. Just like when Paul said, I will glory in my infirmities. When I am weak, he is strong. He knew that the strength that came from God was sufficient for the trials he was going through. When Paul writes specifically that it is Jesus Christ that strengthens us to the church at Philippi, when he mentions those things, this is all based off of some similar patterns that Job is mentioning, that when we go through these difficult trials and problems and we start looking to God and we start seeking his face and we start maybe asking some questions why, it is God that puts his strength in us to get through it. And I need that. I need that. I've had doctors, I've had nurses, I've had psychologists who came in to try to see if I was losing my mind, ask me, how in the world are you still kind of somewhat upbeat about all of this? Why aren't you throwing the bedpans at the window? Why aren't you screaming and yelling and and treating everybody horrible like all the other patients? It's because God's strength was in me. I had to rely on that. And I tell you this, I had to renew that daily, by the way. That strength had to be renewed daily. Sometimes three, four times a day. But I will tell you this, it's God's strength. The third thing that we note here about God is that his strength will carry you through. His strength will carry you through. And whether it's through the end of the tribulation, if you will, the trial that you're going through, or whether it's into glory, His strength will carry you through. His strength will carry you through. The next thing I want us to see here is in verse 10. In verse 10 of Job chapter 23 is this, But he knoweth the way that I take, you know what? He, he, he knows that God knows. Let, let's not kid ourselves. I don't think we can really, if you will, approach God and go, God, do you know what's going on down here? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. Well, please do tell me. I don't think, no, that doesn't happen, okay? God knew it before it was going to happen. God already gave you the strength to get through it before it happened, by the way. But here he says, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He knows very clearly 
in his standing, in the eyes of the Lord, he has done nothing that would, if you will, shame his, his Lord. And he knows that God knows that. So you know what he does? He trusts the results to God. He knows that he's going to come forth as gold because why? If you will, gold is often representative of glory in Scripture. And very specifically, it's representative of God's glory in Scripture. Remember back over there when Solomon had those gold shields? It was representing glory. It was representing what God did. And then along comes his uh, his son and decides to get rid of those shields and do whatever he's going to do with the gold and puts up brass. That's why I don't like brass. Some people like brass. Some people do. Uh, look, if you like brass, I'm not saying anything about it. I don't like brass because it looks like fake gold. And uh, he, he, Rehoboam had those fake shields. He put them out there. It looks like gold. It shines like gold. But then immediately when they start getting a little too close, let's take the shield down and put them away so nobody knows. Faking it. Job knew that in the end, God would get the glory. God would get the glory because he would shine forth his gold, giving glory to God in his life. In the end of the trial and the tribulation, in the end of the difficult times, let's just understand that God's going to get the glory regardless. God's going to get the glory regardless. Because the Bible says in the book of Revelation, he gets the glory regardless. Whatever man does, whatever goes on down here on this earth, in the end, all glory is given to God. We keep that in mind. The next thing I want us to see is now we understand that we can trust God with the results. We put faith in God that his results will come forth of what he's asked for. One thing that I, I really want to point out, if you will, during the times of troubles, during the times of trials, during the times of all the difficulties, God will always provide what you need. Do not kid yourself. Do not deceive yourself. God will provide what you need. Job mentions it here. And in verse 12, he says, Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips, if you will, testifying against Eliphaz and his accusations. He says, I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. In the end, Job knew what he needed, and it wasn't a physical food. You know, people try to make the things that God gives us spiritual, they try to make them physical. They try to somehow change it ever so slightly, like Romans 1. Change God into a creature and worship him as a creature, not as the creator. Uh, right here. Now look, again, I want to point out, Job did not have a Bible. Job did not have one scrap of scripture to hold on to. 
He didn't have a remnant. He didn't have a manuscript. He didn't have an original text. He didn't have anything. You know what he had? God's word that he heard. And that was going to carry him through. That was more necessary than actual physically consuming food. That would sustain him. That would keep him alive. Didn't Jesus Christ said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, what? Word of God. He used that to, 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 if you will, to show the devil that he would not be tempted with the devil's devices. Job, the same here, saying, what's more important in this life? What's the necessary is the word of God. When you're going through the difficult trials, remember this. Job realized that the word of God was the most important part was something that he really needed more than the physical things in his life. As believers, we need to understand that we're going through a difficult time. You know, look, I understand the whole concept behind comfort food. But there is something more comforting than a bowl of mac and cheese, than a bowl of chicken and dumplings. And that's the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit is called another comforter. And he uses the original comforter, the word of God, Jesus Christ himself, to comfort us. That's such a great, if you will, again, comfort to understand those things. And here he's saying, look, I know what God's word says. I esteem that more necessary than physical substance. That which, if you will, can't necessarily be seen, he valued more than that which could be seen. The value of the Word of God. Through all of this, Through this entire chapter, we see Job struggling, his flesh and his faith. Through the entire book, we can see that struggle going on. There's the part of him that that, that needs to know. And there's the part of him that says, I already know. There's the part of him that already has surrendered to God that is yielded to him, that is yielded to his word, that is yielded to the control to God, that is yielded the results to God. And I'll say this. Here we are starting a brand new year. There's a lot of things that we may want to change. There's a lot of things that may happen. It's an election year. In case you didn't realize that, you know what? God's in control. I'm going to yield the results to God. I'm going to continue to trust him. I'm going to continue to have my necessary food 
if you will, spiritually be the Word of God, nothing else. We find that Job still had that faith in who God is. I don't know what 2024 holds. You know, my massage therapist said, what are you, what's your New Year's resolution? I said, you know, I really, I don't care for New Year's resolutions just because of, I don't know, I just a, I don't know, a bah humbug, fuddy-duddy, if you will. But I said, oh, I got a good New Year's resolution. I said, I want to stay out of the hospital this year. I got some test results back the other day that are indicating that's probably not going to be the case. God's still in control. My faith is still going to be here with him, regardless of what happens. Job is written down as an example for us of how our mindset should be. I encourage you, read through the passage, read through this chapter of Job, and look at how God still continue, or how Job still continues to view Job. Or excuse me, how Job continues to view God. There we go, I'll get it right. How he views him in such a way that he has not lost his faith. He has not walked away. He's not even batted an eye. Regardless of what his friends say, regardless of what has happened, regardless of what his wife said, curse God and die. Regardless of all of that, Job still clung to that one thing that he knew. God is still God. Let's endeavor to do that for this coming year. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time, and I thank you again for just this opportunity to study this simple chapter. And while it is something that we probably already know, it is great to remind us over and over again, Lord, about you being in control, about you having the answers, about yielding the results to you and leaving them to you. And again, Lord, valuing your word above all, that we continue to have that relationship and the closeness with you. To continue to increase our faith as we know that that's what your word does with our lives. And Lord, I just pray that as we enter 2024, that Lord, we would just continue to have that. And if not, Lord, we would foster that. We would continue to develop it. We continue to have that grow inside of us, Lord, that we, like Job, when we go through our trials, Lord, we'd come through as gold, giving you the glory, giving you the honor, giving you the praise. Thank you again, Lord, for those that are here. And I pray, Lord, you just continue to meet with us as we close with a hymn of invitation. And I ask and pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.